Father, that's what we, uh, we could just spend all morning counting our blessings and counting the wonderful things that you have done for us. I just thank you for your long suffering and patience with us. We're, we're very fickle people. I, I just speak for myself. I'm a very fickle person and, and um, I tend to want to serve myself on a regular basis healthy portions of um, indulgence, heavy portions of this world and the things this world has to offer. And right now, I'm just reminded in this moment right now that they're nothing. They're, they're, they're just gravel in our mouths compared to your wonder and your love and your grace and your mercy. I pray that you'll just hone my heart today into more um, of your son, Jesus Christ. And that as, as the word pours out over us today, that our hearts will be encouraged and strengthened. And though it may bring some pain in our subject today, I'm just asking for an extra dose of strength and an extra dose of perspective an extra dose of your Holy Spirit to speak into our hearts, to help us as we make our way through this life that you've got us in here. We wanna be um, the greatest servants we can be, so help today to be part of the, the process. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Go ahead and have a seat, and um, our passage that we're working on and have been working on you probably almost have set to memory by now. Job 23.10. He knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Well, um, today we bring to close our series, Coming Forth as Gold, and what we've been working on, the first two weeks, we were asking the question, um, are we willing to submit to the process do we trust God with our lives enough to submit to the process? Last week we talked about, and kind of painful last week, wasn't it? I've heard many stories of last week where um, what if I refuse to submit to the process? What will the consequences be to my life and my growth moving forward if I refuse um, the process? Well, here's somebody who didn't refuse the process. God, can I read this to you? Um, this email came in. I love getting these kinds of emails. Um, where this brother says, um, I just wanted to let you know that the sermon Sunday hit the mark for me personally. Um, God used it to open my eyes to how I had been progressing through the steps presented and was in a state of bitterness in my career. I was in a downward spiral of refusal, if only in my mind. And as was also noted in the sermon, the bitterness and the depression were affecting those around me particularly my coworkers and my wife. It wasn't until the sermon Sunday with the Lord's, and I love this, with the Lord's thankfully tender discipline, I realized the source of my problem. And while it's still difficult to let go, I've confessed, repented, made the commitment to do so to the Lord. My wife and now my life group are also aware of my accountability for my accountability. And this week, I felt a lot more peace and personally seemed to perceive 
a better outlook, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hey, this stuff works, right? I mean, praise the Lord, the power of his word and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to help bring refreshment and to help um, us along the way as we, as we deal with all the stuff that's happening in our lives. Today, um, I want to narrow our focus a bit. You can take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to um, narrow our focus as we ask this question. What if my trial won't end? And you're like, oh my word, really? Are we going here? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And Paul's going to help us with that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 because he had a trial that would not end. And we're going to work on that together. So if you'll allow me, I'm going to read the, the scripture passage we're working on today, and then we'll kind of break it down as we go through the sermon, okay? So here we go, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Paul says, I have received such wonderful revelation from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power is made perfect in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul tells us here that he has a thorn, and I want us to break that down and start with this as we talk about this subject of thorns um, today. The first is, in your notes, understanding my thorns. So Paul was given, he said, a thorn in the flesh. Now, can I give you a definition, a working definition um, in this context of this passage, okay? So here's the definition we're working on um, about a thorn. A thorn is a splinter of wood Actually, the Greek word means a stake. <laughs> that, that would be, I don't want to think about that. A thorn is a splinter of wood embedded into the skin that causes pain that is disproportionate to its size. You ever had one of these? I mean, how ridiculous. Remember when you were a kid and you got a splinter and literally your world was coming to an end? Life cannot go on until you get the splinter out. And I remember my kids, man. I remember them, them having the splinters, and, and they would come to me, Dad, Dad, get the splinter out. And I'd be like, okay, come here, let me see it. I'm like, Are you seriously having a canary about this? I mean, this is a little tiny thing right here, and if you start to dig for it, <laughs> did you hear yourselves? Oh, I mean, we've all been there, haven't we? Have you ever been like in, a, in an area like, like Arizona or New Mexico or someplace like that where they've got cactuses and, and, you know, have you ever like brushed a cactus plant? And they're like, they're like hairs, you know, they're like a hair. And I, I, I swear the cactus, they leap at you. You walk by and they sense you and they leap at you. Have you ever had one in your foot or in your hand or in your arm or something and you can't see it? It's like you, you can't even see the thing, but you know it's there because every time you brush against something, it's like, hey, hey, hey. 
What are we, wimps? What's the deal? We got this little tiny thing in our lives or this little tiny thing in our hand and we can't move forward until we get rid of the thorn. Well, Paul was given one of these thorns and I wanna know what it was. Anybody know what Paul's thorn was? Raise your hand if you know what Paul's thorn was. I am so glad you didn't raise your hand because I was gonna say, no, you don't. (laughs) And you would have said to me, if you had raised your hand, you would have said to me, oh, yes, I do, because I can deduct from other passages of scripture that it had something to do with his eyes and something like that. So that was Paul's thorn. Reality check, nobody knows what Paul's thorn is. We don't know what it was. And because the Bible doesn't tell us what it is, we don't know what it is. So let me ask you a question. Does God want us to know what Paul's thorn was? How can you say that? Because he would have told us if he wanted us to know, right? Well, um, I have a great relationship with the Lord. And I asked him what his thorn was. (laughs) And he told me, and I want to share it with you, okay? Here's what Paul's thorn was. Now, don't get hung up on this wording. I'm going to bring it back to you on the screen later on as it applies to your own life, okay? But just listen to it right now. Paul's thorn was a specialized enduring source of personal pain allowed by God for his personal good and training. I want you to notice that this trial that Paul calls a thorn in his flesh was different than your everyday normal drugstore trial. Something's different about this thorn than every other trial. And what was different was that it was enduring It was ongoing and it was specialized, specifically for Paul. Normal trials come and go, you know that, right? They do. I mean, we can sing in the midst of our cloudy, gloomy day, the sun'll come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow this trial will be over. You know, we always say that, Just, just hang on. You know, hang on through the night. The dawn is coming, the sun will rise, and your trial will pass. This too shall pass. You ever use that? I use that all the time. They're they're temporary. They have like an expiration date. Now, to be fair, we don't know what the expiration date is on them, and sometimes they seem like they last forever and they're gonna draw on forever, but eventually they'll come to an end. Normal everyday trials leave us alone, but not so much a thorn. Now here's, here's what I want you to write down somewhere. A thorn is a specialized, enduring source of personal pain allowed by God for your personal good and mine, for your personal training and mine. A specialized, enduring source of personal pain allowed by God. Let me just say this about trials that we've been working on. Everyone gets a trial. We saw that last week, right? If you're a child of God, you'll get a trial. You'll actually get it many, and they're gonna be varied in color. They're gonna come in all different forms. You're gonna get trials. If if anyone wants to serve the Lord with all their heart, what are they going to do on this earth? We're going to suffer. That's what the scripture says. Every Christian gets a trial, but not every Christian gets a thorn. 
the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. That, that was a healthy sneeze right there. That was awesome. Don't you love it when that happens? It just feels so good just to let it all hang out, right? That's just so awesome. Every, I don't know why I called you out on that right there. I've never called anybody out for sneezing. It's like, wow, that was awesome. Uh, before we move on, okay, so we're, I'm going to stop you with that. Not everyone, everyone gets a trial, but not everyone gets a thorn, okay? Before we move on from that, I want, I want to talk to you about, um, just for a minute, the difference between God causing trials and God allowing trials, because that's a lot of what we're going to be talking about here this morning. Because I think, I think sometimes we get upside down on that. Sometimes uh, I know that many of you have asked me questions about that, about, you know, is God causing this trial or is God allowing um, this trial? Well, the answer is not sure because of the particular trial until we understand what is happening in your life. It's kind of, if you came to me and said, is God causing this in my life or is God allowing this in my life? I would say to you, more than likely he's allowing it. But sometimes God causes trials too to get our attention. So let's talk about your life circumstance and find out what is actually going on. But can I give you a, like a big picture of how God works? This is just really high level, big picture. God in his sovereign wisdom created a very good and perfect world. You know that, right? And everything he put in it was perfect. But what he put in this perfect world were people who were free to choose for themselves. That was his plan. In his sovereign wisdom, he decided he could have done it a different way. He could have put people in the world that he created to be like little robots and you just do exactly what you're told every time you're told and you love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength because I told you to and you will love me whether you want to. That's not how he did it. He put a perfect world together and then he put people who were free to choose for themselves. In his omniscience, you know what omniscience is, right? God knows everything. In his omniscience, he knew that everyone was not going to choose him. And those who chose to follow their own desires instead of following God, those who chose to disobey God actually chose to sin. That's what the scripture calls it. When you disobey God and you serve yourself, it's sin. Therefore, they chose to suffer the consequences of their choices to sin. That's where that word, that term comes from, choose to sin, choose to suffer. That's a really good thing to adopt in your family if you're raising your kids. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. It's coming. You're going to experience the consequences in it all. And the effects of the sins of man, the scripture says, are being randomly visited upon the entire creation, including those who live in the creation. Romans 5.12 says, says it this way. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death came through that sin, in this way, death came to all people because all have sinned. So, <clears throat> here's what I want you to hear. Because sin is in the world, our world is broken. There is a curse upon it because of sin. And the whole world and all of its inhabitants are suffering the consequences of that sin. So, because of sin, people get terminal cancer and other diseases that won't go away. 
because we live in a broken world, our hearts don't function the duration of the time they're supposed to function. We have heart attacks and we have chronic heart illnesses and other body functions give out and people die prematurely. That's all because there is sin in the world. God did not intend it to go that way. He intended his people to be obedient to him and live forever. There would be, do you understand that? There would be no death if Adam and Eve had not started the sin. Of course, you and I would have shown up and blown the whole thing. (laughs) But God's plan was for his people to obey and to follow him and love him all the days of their lives and live forever. Bodies fail to produce children because of a broken world that we live in. Some children are born with birth defects and physical defects and mental defects that will never go away. Crippling accidents happen in this world. Relationships fail in this broken world that we live in. And you know what? God could prevent or block all the effects of sin if he wanted to. But he has chosen to allow these things the consequences of sin in this world that we live in. He has allowed these things to happen to everyone, Christian and non-Christian alike, and then he inserts himself post-event to do the work that he wants to do. God doesn't waste anything, my friends. He doesn't even waste a people who have sinned against him and have followed their own way. He is going to redeem that And he's going to enter himself, he's going to insert himself into that brokenness in order to accomplish great things for his honor and for his glory and for his kingdom. That ought to bring you some encouragement, especially as you look at how broken our world is right now. Okay, so where do trials come from? They basically come from three different departments, okay? The first is what we've just been talking about. Trials come from a fallen world, and they come from Satan himself. We're gonna talk about that in a little bit, okay? They come in the form of distractions to keep us away from going the direction and and fulfilling the plan that God has for us with the goal of destruction. That's what the consequences of the fallen world and Satan himself, who is the prince and the power of this air, are all about. That's the first area that our trials or these these thorns that we're talking about will come from. The second could be our own poor decisions. You okay with me talking about that? Sometimes we make some really stupid decisions. Even Adam made some really stupid decisions. And sometimes our trials come to us and these thorns come to us because they're in an enduring form of suffering that we have in our life that is a consequence for our own sins. The, the, the purpose of those consequences, I believe, is for us, for our learning, so that we won't do it again. You know what the worst thing you can do for your children when they, when they sin and they do something wrong? You know what the absolute worst thing you can do as a parent? Block the consequence. Block the, block the consequence of what's coming. 
of their actions, their decisions that they made. I mean, it's so tempting, mom and dad, I know. It's tempting grandma and grandpa, who I am now, to like, no, 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 no. I'm not gonna let them, they'll, they'll learn some other way. No, they won't. We always taught our children, we didn't teach our children, we had this in our head as we were raising our children, let them feel the full force of the consequence of their sin in their face. Because we're mean, and we're mean-spirited, and we don't care about them, no. It's just the opposite. It's so that they will learn not to ever do it again. Maybe they'll realize, I remember my James, I don't know where you are, James, if you're in here at this time, I'm gonna tell a story. They hate it when I tell stories about him. James had a, had a lying problem for a while when he was little. He thought it was better if he gets caught to just say he didn't do it. And I would always say, James, if you lie, are you gonna get in trouble? He said, yes. I said, if you just did the thing that you're lying about, would you get in trouble? He said, yes. I said, but now if you lie about it, you're gonna get in double trouble. If you just disobey or you broke something or whatever it is and you come to me and say, Father, forgive me, I have sinned. I would say, all right, that's a bummer, here's your consequence. But if you come to me and I see that you've done this thing, and by the way, we all know he did it, right? You've done this thing, you've done this thing, and I come to you and say, son, have you done this thing? And you look at me and say, no, Father, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm gonna say, liar! And you're now going to suffer for being a liar, and then we'll deal with you suffering for what you did over here. And you're thinking, man, I'm glad I wasn't your, your kid dealing with you. Here's the deal. What did I want my son? What was the, what was the goal I had in my mind for my son? I want you to grow up and be a man of, of honor and be a man of character and be a man of truth. I want your family to know that your, your word is your bond, right? And, you're, and I'm gonna teach you right now. And so... I'm spending way too much time on this because it has nothing to do with the message here, but I just want you to know that sometimes we need to let those consequences do the work that they're intended to do, the goal of that. So sometimes we have trials and, and thorns because of our own poor decisions. Sometimes we have trials and thorns because of God himself. I think that's very rare, actually. I think most of our trials and most of our thorns um, come from either the fallen world and Satan, which we're gonna deal with, with with Paul, or our own poor decisions. But sometimes we're told in the scripture that sometimes we get sick and because we're, when we're sick because there is something broken between us and God. In 1 Corinthians, it talk, or in James 5, it talks about that. If you're sick, you need to go, go to God, pray to God. And it says, confess your sin so that you can be healed. So there are some things that happen in our lives that are happening and God's allowing them to happen or maybe even causing them to happen to get our attention and we need to confess and get right with God. 1 Corinthians um, chapter 11 the Corinthian church were doing some things that they weren't supposed to be doing, and as a result, many were sick and many were dying, had died because of that. I think God intervened in that, in that case. I think that's more rare, but here's the point. You and I are going through the same things that do, those who don't know the Lord are going through because we live in a fallen world. But the good news is, and that we're learning here, is that for those of us who love the Lord, God inserts himself to do work to produce something good in us no matter what the trial is and no matter what the thorn is. We saw that last week. And that, that work is to produce in us a harvest of righteousness as we are being trained by it. Okay, you got that? So 
Question, where did Paul's thorn come from? Want to find out? Look at verse seven. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan. On your notes, you can write down, Satan gave the thorn. And you might be, wait, I thought last week we said that God is doing it. He knows the path that I take, and when he has tested me, didn't you go over and over again, Phil, who is testing you? God is testing you. Who is testing you? God is testing you. Well, then God is doing it. No, no. God is allowing it, and the testing is happening because God's allowing it, but be clear on this. Satan gave it to Paul. It's kind of like when Peter in Luke chapter 22, came to Jesus, and Jesus said, Peter, I feel, I feel for you, Peter, because Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. Remember, it was right before the denial and all of that that was happening. Satan had come to the throne and said, we want Peter. And, and Jesus is warning Peter of that. It's the same that um, happened to Job. Job had to come to before the Lord and get permission from the Lord to touch his family or to inflict Job at all. God didn't give the thorn. Satan gave the thorn here. But God allowed it with boundaries. Look at it in verse seven. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan. And what's the goal? To torment me. Wow. What's Satan's desire? He wants to torment. Your Bible might say harass, to harass me. You know what the word torment means here? It means to strike with the fist, to box, to punch, and to cause harm. Not fatal, but painful. Interesting, this is the same word. This torment word is the same word to describe the beatings of Jesus by the temple guards in Matthew chapter 26. Satan's desire was to torment Paul that was his goal, and God allowed it. Satan's goal is always, my friends, to harass and to torment God's children. He wants to paralyze us with fear. He wants to pound us into painful hopelessness and defeat. He wants to stop our forward momentum in our growth with the Lord. He wants us to think that nothing's ever gonna change in this trial that I'm in the middle of, and therefore all is lost that's what his goal is for you. He wants to beat you and beat you and beat you. That's what that torment is, to box, to hit with the fist. He wants to beat you down, beat you down, beat you down. That's the goal of the thorn in your life. If you have one, you understand what I'm talking about. It's real, it's painful, it's lasting, and I just want to tell you, it's satanic. Satan gave it, but I want to turn this baby on its head, okay? Because um, Satan gave it, but God allowed it. Now, you might be like, I don't like that. Well, I want you to hear some good news on this, okay? Because if, if God wasn't in the equation, then Paul's in real trouble. So let me ask you the question, what's God's goal in allowing it? Satan's goal is to pummel him to death with it, to torment him with it. Why is God allowing? What's God's goal? Well, he plans to use it. In fact, let me say it this way. If God wasn't planning to use it, he wouldn't have allowed it. You need to hear that loud and clear, some of you who are wrestling with thorns in your life right now. This enduring affliction. 
It's suffocating. And there are some days, and we're gonna talk about Paul here in just a little bit, there are some days you can't have, handle it. But if God wasn't planning to use it and to do something very special through it, he wouldn't have allowed it. Try to find some strength in that. Your heavenly Father who loves you. Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, we know, we know. Anybody want to say amen? amen? We know, we know. Those of you who are with thorns, we know that in all things, even in my thorn, God works for the good of those who love him. And here it is, who have been called to this. Called according to his purpose. God is at work in the thorn that Satan has given you. And it's, hear me, it's not on you and me to be able to see his plan in the middle of it, or even to be able to figure it out in order to know that his plan is at work in your life through the thorn. We don't know everything God is doing, but we know that one of the reasons God allowed this in Paul's flesh was, look at verse seven, was to keep him from becoming proud. And you're like, what? <laughs> Watch this, you guys, verse seven. I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, so, so God was doing some very special things in my life. And I had some very big privileges as a result of the relationship I had with God. And you would think, because I had such a close relationship with God, that everything would go smoothly from here on. That's what I think. That's what I want. He says, I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from being proud, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me, and keep me from becoming proud. Hmm. He said it twice. It was to keep him from self-exaltation because of his relationship with the Lord. It was to keep him from having an excessive high view of himself because God had so much favor on him in his life. It was, in, in, in short, just to keep him humble. humble. Okay, don't miss this, you guys. Satan gave it to him to torment him. But God allowed it in Paul to humble him. It's going to go on without end, and it's going to be painful, but it is accomplishing for Paul a harvest of spiritual humility. I don't have time to get into it, but you can read chapter 11 on your own in the first part of chapter 12 where he's rehearsing his lineage and he's rehearsing his resume because people were attacking his motives. They were attacking his apostleship. They were even being all weird about his speaking style, like, you don't preach like we want you to preach. And, and Paul was defending all of that. And in verse one to six, he tells about an amazing privilege given to him to be transported. And he doesn't know how it was, whether in the body or in a dream. I don't know, he says, but I was transported to heaven where God gave him some special knowledge. There was things that Paul said were inexpressible. In other words, I can't even tell you what they were. In fact, God told me not to even try. He wasn't even allowed to bring the knowledge that God gave him in that moment. He wasn't allowed to bring it down to earth and talk to people. So he says, I have received such wonderful revelation and to keep me from becoming proud because of this special thing that happened to me, I was given a thorn. What was the thorn's goal? To, to, to stop him, to beat him down, 
God is exalting him, and Satan wants to beat him down. How many of you know that how many times has that happened? Right in the middle of some great spiritual victory, here comes Satan with his big sledgehammer. I'm gonna beat you, I'm gonna beat you, I'm gonna beat you. Who do you think you are? His goal is to destroy Paul, but God's goal in allowing it is to humble Paul. This is pretty deep, you guys. This is the depth at which God works with his people. So, Paul was totally fine with it, right? <laughs> no, let's look at verse eight. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. No, Paul didn't want it. Paul didn't want it. Three times I begged God, I pleaded with God. And maybe you've been there where you're like, God, you gotta take this away. God, I can't handle this. I can't take this any longer. You've got to get me out of it. I, have, I can't tell, me any, tell you the nights that I have prayed that. And I know that you've been there too. It kind of reminds me and sounds like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he went to the cross. Do you remember? Jesus goes before the Father in the garden and he says, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Doesn't that sound familiar? Second time, he goes to the Father and he says, Father, please, if there, is there another way? I don't want this cup. Is there another way that you can do this? And the third time, he says, Father, if you won't take it away and take it from me, and there isn't another way, this is what he says. Not my will, but your will be done. Listen, 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 thorn, thorn bearers. There's the gold right there. There's the gold in your thorn. There is the example set before us, and Paul's example here set before us. If Paul says, three times I beg, beg, please, God, take this thorn away from me. It's hindering my ministry. I'm sure he said that. You know, put the righteous thing on it. It's hindering the, your glory, Lord. Take this thorn. He just didn't want the thorn. Just like you and I. But he came to a point where he said, not with my will, but your be done, which is called living with our thorns. Paul prays three times, but listen to God's answer in verse nine. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My grace is all, no, 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 Paul. I'm not taking it away. My grace is all you need. I want you to hear this message loud and clear. The only way to live with a thorn, the only way to endure a thorn is through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your thorn will take you down into that dark spiraling dungeon that we talked about last week without the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that grace is called unmerited favor. His grace are gifts that he gives to us to help us in our time of need. It's, some may have called it this, it's God's care package of blessing and refreshment for all of those enduring a thorn. You, you know the grace is in everything. There's grace in salvation, and there's grace in sanctification. Sanctification is your, is your growth after salvation. There's grace in both of those things. What did you do to obtain your salvation? What merit did you bring to the table for your salvation? How much was dependent upon you for your salvation? The answer is nothing. You couldn't do anything for your salvation. How much is dependent now after your salvation for your growth in the Lord? Nothing. Without the grace of the Lord and without the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, you can't produce any righteousness for him. 
Colossians 2, 6, Paul says, as you receive from the Lord by grace, so walk in him the same grace is required. Grace is in everything. Your ability to live with your thorn is totally dependent upon God's gifts of grace without which you won't survive. My grace is all you need, Jesus said to Paul. Your thorn is designed to take you into a more intimate understanding of my grace. So settle in, my son. Settle in, my daughter. They're in this for the long haul. And I'm gonna be there. 2 Timothy 2.1, Paul says to Timothy, my son, be strong in the grace. <laughs> my son, be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace gives us the capacity to do anything that God has intended for us in spiritual profitability. In fact, you can't come to God without grace. You can't come to understand the Bible without grace. You can't pray without grace. You can't choose right over wrong without grace. And you can't live with this thorn in your life without grace. Jesus told Paul, my grace is here, Paul. And it's all you need. That grace is exactly what you need to do everything God has planned to do in you and through you through this thorn. It comes in gifts like wisdom and strength and comfort, and peace, and discernment, and conviction, and courage, and faith itself. It's God's care package to all of you suffering with a thorn. But you have to hear this. Grace isn't an over-the-counter drug, okay? Grace is a relationship because grace is in Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ. He's there in your pain. He's giving you the gifts to help in your time of need. Waves of it are crashing upon the shores of your heart and on the shores of your life and on the shores of your trial. His grace and his presence are the same. He's, I'm not going anywhere. These are his promises. I will walk through the storm with you. I'm helping carry this burden when you feel faint. I know exactly how to get you through this painful, enduring trial. Oh, and by the way, verse nine, my power is made perfect in weakness. He says, Paul says, each time he said to me, my grace is all you need and my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is completed in weakness. Same word, right? This, this complete or this perfect word, same word Jesus used on the cross when he cried out, it is Finished, there's the word. It is finished, Jesus cried out. And what he's saying to Paul is, my power is made perfect. It's finished in you. It's completed in your weakness. Wow. Here's what I get from all of this. Those of us who have a thorn, I don't even like saying these words, but I have to apply this to my own heart. Those of us who have a thorn have the privilege of experiencing the grace and strength of God at a deeper level than most. A.W. Tozer said it this way, it is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Paul didn't want this any more than you or I want it, but... If God chooses to allow a thorn like this in your life, then rejoice, my friend, for you have been chosen 
and are about to enter into a whole new glorious universe of God's gracious gifts and you're about to get your mind blown by his demonstrated power at work in and through you in the lowest point of your life. Look at Paul's perspective, it's amazing, verse nine. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. How do we boast? How do you boast in your weakness? How do you boast in your thorns? Let me give you five things real quick here, okay? First, first off, right off the top, what we did this morning, count your blessings. Count your blessings. They give you the proper perspective. Oh, woe is me. Oh, everything is horrible. That is not gonna help you. Turn it around, count your, yeah, what you're going through is hard, no doubt. You're, you're thinking you're suffocating. You're getting beat to death. Turn it around, get your perspective and mind right, and start counting your blessings. Rehearse the wonderful things like we did this morning that God has done for you. Second way to boast in your weaknesses, elevate your prayer life with focus, frequency, and intensity. We've talked about this already, but listen, how many people going through a trial, going through their thorn, will refuse to go before the Lord? To go before the powerful throne of God, the throne of grace, to receive the help He said, it's here for you. I've got gifts of grace to give you. Just waiting at my throne. But you gotta come to me. Get get real with God. Don't wait four years like me to finally get real. And when I finally got real with the Lord and told him what was in my heart, you know what I heard from the Holy Spirit as soon as I got done? Yeah, like you didn't think I already knew all that? What did you wait four years for? I had had strength and help for you, Phil, just waiting at my throne of grace. Elevate your prayer life. Lengthen and deepen your Bible study. Go for some of the passages. Let David, let David speak the words you can't speak for yourself. Like Psalm 91 and Psalm 63. Psalm 63 had helped me in my darkest point. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. And because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate you in the darkest watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. When I didn't have the words to say, when I didn't know how to express the burden of my heart, I borrowed the words of David who wrote this in some of the darkest times of his life. Lengthen and deepen your Bible study. Tell your story. You have a thorn, talk about it. I'm telling you, There are other people that need to hear your story. It is your story. And what you have in your story is if you're doing all these things, you have hope in your story for those who are feeling hopeless right now. You can walk right into their life and you can make promises. You can obligate God to people who are in the middle of their darkest hour and you can be the light that shines in that dark tunnel that they can see a little glimmer of hope in.
because of your story. You don't have to be a theologian, my friends. Just tell your story and rehearse with people all the wonderful things that God has done for you. And finally, focus on the prize, which is the power of Christ at work in you. That's what Paul did. My friends, listen, life is short and eternity is long, so keep your focus on your heavenly glory that is just around the corner. Life is racing by. And thorns may be enduring. You hearing me now? Is everyone hearing me? I haven't lost you yet, I hope. Thorns are enduring, but they will not last forever. have the perspective of Paul where he wrote to Timothy and said, I know whom I have believed and have convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And then here's the final thing, and we'll be done. Be confident, I'm sorry, be content with your thorns. Verse 10, he says, that's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Listen, it doesn't mean that we enjoy it. It doesn't mean that we want it. But what we've been learning, my friends, for the last several weeks is this. Submit to it. Accept it. Stay under it and let it finish its work. Embrace it. And learn to be content with it as long as it lasts. This actually is contentment means that we're at rest with it. And Paul says, with God's help, I'm going to live my life with my thorn. Look at it again. I'm content in my weaknesses. That's physical thorns. I'm in insults, which is relational thorns. And hardships, which is financial and material thorns. And persecutions, which, is, which are spiritual thorns. And troubles, which are stresses that life will bring. Guess what, my friends? He's talking to all of us here. How can you be content? How can this be? How can you can be content with all this? Verse 10, because when I am weak, then I'm, I am strong. How does that happen, Phil? Verse 9. Because Jesus says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Most of you know our story. And my son-in-law, Davey, has an enduring, painful thorn that will not go away. He lost his wife and his child. But we believe from the scripture that God wastes nothing. And God has given Davy a ministry called Pain to Purpose. It's, a, it's an actual Bible study and a, and, a, and a program that he takes people through that are suffering thorns like these, like he is in suffering. And let me just explain something to you. The suffering isn't over. The, the goal of the thorn is what? The goal of the thorn that Satan gave is to torment, okay? The, the pain is still there. It's with him, it's with us every single day of our lives. But you either let it cripple you and stop you 
or you look to the purpose in your pain and you look for it because God will show it to you, of course, accepting all the grace gifts that God has given to you in the middle of it. And I am telling you, my friends, people's lives are being saved. I'm talking literally. People are giving their hearts to Jesus through the Pain to Purpose program. But because of the work that God has done, the grace that God has given and poured into Davy's heart and Davy's life, he has developed a program, a biblical program, that is actually helping hundreds and thousands of people. What I want you to know is that whatever the suffering, whatever the thorn, God has things to do through you with that that your mind would blow up if he showed you. You, don't, you, don't, you can't contain and you haven't even thought up the things that God wants to do through your pain. There is a purpose in your pain. And as crippling as your pain might be, you can stand up because you're a child of God. Amen. And the power of God, Jesus said, my power, my power, not yours, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And so I will glory, I will boast all the more in my weakness. Because when I am weak, then I am strong. Stand with me one more time. One more time, you guys. Look, on it, look at it on the screen. Let's say it together. Job 23.10. He knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Father, I pray. That's our prayer. I pray that we will all come forth as gold, no matter what the trial, no matter what the temptation, no matter what the thorn that we have. We need your strength. We need your help. We can't do it on our own. We, we, we admit that to you today. But I ask that you'll strengthen all of us. We all need it. Strengthen our feeble knees. Lift up our weak arms, Lord in order to march forward in the purpose that you have intended for the pain that we are receiving. Strengthen my brothers and sisters in whatever it is that's on their heart right now and on their mind. Help us to encourage one another and do those things for each other that help strengthen ourselves in the body here and bless us. Before I say amen, if you have a need today, we have a prayer team that'll be down here in the front. If you've got a thorn that's suffocating you right now and you want some prayer over that, we would love to help you with that and we'd love to pray over that. If you need Jesus, we're here for you as always. So Lord, bless us and keep us. Protect us from the attack of the evil one. In Jesus' powerful name we pray, amen.